New on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, hear surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are twenty dollars, just a dollar sixty-seven a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. He took a shot of whiskey to gather his courage and approached her from across the bar. He's seen her here before, her curly black hair and flannel shirts making her stand out a bit in this sea of name-brand dresses and trendy cocktails. She wasn't a cosmopolitan kind of girl. He'd watch her nurse the same tumbler of whiskey all night as she sat near the wall and watched the crowd. He'd learned to covet her smiles and laughs, that bright flash of sparkling teeth, as some stage play of the human condition went on before her. Not that she had anyone to share her smiles or laughs with her, Every time he'd seen her, she was always alone, and her joy seemed to only come from the people who heaved and thronged around her. She was an island in their ocean, and he was hoping to discover why tonight. As he made his way toward her, he couldn't help but wonder why no one ever approached her. She always sat in a dim corner of the colonnade bar, a run-of-the-mill bar, Seattle, Washington with her back to the wall and her eyes trained on the byplay between the patrons. The colonnade was not as crowded as the dance clubs or the upscale wine bars that dotted the city like ticks, but it did tend to attract a certain kind of people. Young college kids in their early 20s, bohemians looking to busk on the small stage or talk to potential clients over craft beer, fishermen back from a long day on the decks, office drones, trust fun kids looking to rub elbows with the common man, and any other misfit who was just looking for a drink and some conversation were the typical fare in a place like this. It was a friendly place, a sometimes chaotic haven, and those who frequented it often felt they became family. But in the two years that Russell had seen her come in, only the bartender seemed to acknowledge her presence at all. Noah looked over at the woman when Russell had asked about her and shook her head. No, I, I don't think I know her name. This had been a few weeks ago, back when he was still gathering his courage to talk to her, and Noel seemed the best one to talk to for information. Noel had been the bartender here for quite some time, was the owner of the bar as far as Russell knew, and she seemed to know just about everyone here. As she handed a frothing glass to a bearded hipster, who'd pushed up to the bar to order, Russell pressed her for more information about the strange woman. Well, how long has she been coming in here? Does anyone talk to her? Noah looked up from the shots she was pouring, and as she looked at the woman, Russell saw the head of black curls look back towards the bar and affixed Noel with a decidedly mistrustful look. She doesn't talk to anyone, and no one talks to her, Noel said dismissively. I would suggest that you leave her be. For your own safety. For his own safety? That statement had seemed oddly chosen to Russell. Maybe Noel had knew more than she was letting on. Perhaps the woman was dangerous, and that's why no one approached her. Maybe she had been coming here longer than even Russell believed. Maybe it would be safer not to approach her. 
as he parted the bar patrons. However, he had already made up his mind that he was going to talk to her. From the moment he had first noticed her, he had felt drawn to her for some reason. He almost felt like it was his fate to speak with her. And who was he to deny fate? The whiskey in his hand sloshed thickly as he walked, and he nimbly dodged some chat in a visor as he stood up suddenly. His loud caw of indignation drew the gaze of the dark-haired girl, and she seemed to notice Russell for the first time, as his approach brought him closer to her table. She looked away, her casual posture now looking forced, but he couldn't help but notice the furtive looks she was casting his way. Like a rabbit scenting a predator. Like a hungry dog that doesn't want to bite. Excuse me, Russell said, standing over her as she perched on the spindly chair. She ignored him, purposefully ignored him, and he could sense an unwillingness to acknowledge him that was almost spiteful. Her glances dared him to try her, confronted him with continuing down this path, and he worried that maybe she was unstable. Maybe Noel had been trying to save him from some trouble, trying to save the poor girl some face, and Russell had gone and made himself the unwitting star of the next public spectacle. He dipped his head a little and excused himself, turning slightly to go and hoping to be instantly swallowed by the crowd, when a hand came out and caught him by the arm with a strength that surprised him. He would not have expected such a grip to come from her five-foot-two frame. You've made the trip. You might as well stay. Her voice held a strange aura of languages. It sounded Irish, Slavic, Russian, Western European, and seemed to hold the tones of the old country. Her voice had been places, seen things, lived through the Depression, survived the Spanish flu, and knew what it was like to be a stranger in a strange land. In his head, he had heard their first conversation a thousand times, but this was as far from the voice he'd imagined as salt is from sugar. As he took his seat, the plastic cushions began to feel like a bear trap. I'm sorry, Russell began. I didn't mean to disturb you. I've been watching you from across the bar for so long and, well, I felt drawn to me, she said in that old, worn voice. He nodded entranced by her as he sat within arm's reach of her enigma. She smiled. Would you believe that you're the first person to tell me that in a very long time? He nodded again. I don't understand how anyone can be in the same bar as you and not feel the same way. I felt the same way once. A long time ago. She looked down at her empty whiskey glass and seemed saddened by it. When I sat across from him at this very table. Russell leaned in a little, enchanted by her words as she spun her web for him. When you sat across from who? He asked, almost dreamily. He would puzzle over the way he felt that night for many nights to come, and all his brain could find to compare it to was the nature videos they had sometimes watched in school. You see the fly walk into the mouth of the Venus flytrap, watch the jaws close around it, and ask how it could be so stupid as to walk straight into the jaws of death. The fly is a capable survivor, a quick little nuisance that evades the human hand with ease, but still, it walks into its grave with no hesitation. 
as though it can't help itself. When he remembered that night with her, and knew how that fly must feel when it narrowly escapes the mouth of the trap, when it glances back and finds itself longing to return. Would you believe that he told me someone would come and talk to me? Told me to expect you? Isn't that funny? So funny, Russell said, dreamily, unable to stop himself. The whole world shimmered at the edges while he was around her, and Russell never wanted this moment to stop. He was captivated, utterly bewitched, and he felt that he could gladly go on basking in her glow all night. She, on the other hand, looked as though she were getting a little tired of the whole affair, and just as quickly as he'd risen, Russell began to fall. What if she left? What if she just didn't want him? He didn't think he could stand it if she wasn't. He didn't even notice that she had taken his drink until it was already in her hand. She lifted it to her perfect Cupid's bow lips and took a sip. The last beads of the whiskey clung to them as she pursed them and blew atop the surface of the amber liquid. In that breath, a corona of light was born, and the dazzle stunned him temporarily as he watched universes dance in that brilliance. She brought the glass away from her lips and held it out to him, delicate hands wrapping the glass perfectly, and he was powerless to stop himself from reaching out to take it. Drink this she said slowly. It might bring things back into focus. Russell drained the glass in a single pull, and things immediately began to change. The woman across from his didn't become less attractive. She didn't really change at all, but he became more aware of his surroundings and less aware of her. The busker on stage warbled back into his consciousness. The sound of the crowd rose from an insectile re to a smothering rumble and he felt the edges around his vision harden as he looked at her. She was still cute, but she was now possessed of a look that led you to question her gender. Her flannel shirts and tight jeans now looked rather mannish, and her bouncy curls and facial features now made her look a bit androgynous. Had she always been this way? Why had he been so captivated by her? He jumped a little, when Noel put a glass of whiskey next to her elbow, but the woman just flipped a bill onto her tray and lifted the glass to her lips. Noel, however, looked mad enough to spit fire. You know the rules, Brandy. This is neutral ground. No hunting in my bar. Relax, Nona. You know I do my hunting elsewhere. Besides, he's seeing a little clearer now. Aren't you, sport? Russell nodded and told Noel he wanted another whiskey. She nodded, but before she left, she gave him a sad look that was equal parts pity and disappointment. He suddenly felt like a disobedient teenager whose parents have waited up for him after he stayed out all night. He wanted to call her back and apologize, but he felt silly and squashed the idea before it had even begun. What would he apologize for anyway? You were saying, Russell prompted as Noel made her way back to the bar. The woman looked up from her drink and fixed him with a quizzical look. You sure you want to hear it, kid? It's not a story to be taken lightly. Russell nodded, sure that he wanted to hear it more than anything in the world. She sat her glass down and extended a hand across the table to him. My name is Brandy. 
But when this story took place, they called me Elizabeth. Beth for short. I was 19, naive, and in love for the first time in my life. I met him in a bar, much like this one, and he changed my life forever. Have another drink, won't you? I think you'd be a lot happier with another drink. She lifted the glass to her lips again, and Russell watched as she breathed a corona of fire into the whiskey. He wanted it less this time, but he still reached for it. He still drank it. He still felt like a bonfire was burning in his guts when he swallowed it, and her face swam a little when he looked back at her. He was young and swarthy when I met him. I believed he was the most handsome man in the bar, and I suppose he was. He had saved me from a handsy drunk about a week before, and I had been building up my courage to go and speak with him. He tried to dissuade me, just as I tried with you, but to no avail. Glamour hits a human hard, and I was no exception. Russell shook his head as Beth took a sip of her drink. As she talked, he started thinking that maybe she had spiked his drink with something. As he watched her drink, her nose, so cute and turned up, now suddenly looked pug-like, if not piggish. Her curly hair was a little less lustrous now, and more like old yarn that looked coarse as it sat against her skull. As she closed her eyes in mid-drink, Russell had to do a double-take. Were those horns amongst her curls? He could clearly see one, like a curly ram's horn, but the other hid behind a lock of yarnish hair. She seemed to notice as the glass came down and grinned with a too bright smile. See something you like? When Russell didn't respond, she shrugged and continued. Where was I? Oh, yes, my mysterious savior. He tried to talk to me as I tried to talk to you, but I was so caught up in him that I barely heard him. Finally, he did as I have done and only then I was able to break through my own desire. He apologized for what he had done, for giving me what he called a curse, and began to tell me a story. She took a sip from her drink and shrugged at Russell. I won't bother you with the long version. I don't think we have time anyway. The soft buzz of the bar around him sounded like the quiet voices of insects. Russell didn't know how long she'd been talking but he was surrounded by a different kind of glamour now. The longer he listened to her, the less human she appeared, and the more he feared what she had to say. Her ears were becoming long and bat-like, long black hairs curling from them. Despite this, he couldn't look away. There was still some of that beauty there, like an unfinished wooden idol that begged to be carved, and her story demanded to be finished, demanded that he receive it. He told me that he had found himself taken with a young man in Greece, when he was around my age. This young man had tried to turn him away, but finally had showed him what lay behind the glamour, and the terrible curse that he must now bear. The man I spoke to was a brandy loo, just as the man who gave him the curse, just as I am, and just as you will be. Russell sat back a little. Me? But why am I? You have drunk my presence. The pact is already forged. Brandylou are creatures outside of time, capable of living for thousands of years or for a single hour, whatever fate she desires. She? Russell asked tentatively. 
We and there are more of us are servants of the Pale Lady. She brings the green, she defeats he who devours, and she keeps the world in balance. We serve her as we serve all growing things. We serve her by thinning the herd. That sent a chill down Russell's spine. The man who turned him never told him that. He told him all the rest, but never told him of his purpose. As we sat in that hot bar on a summer night in 1901, he told me of his first time. He told me of how he realized his true purpose. She leaned in close, and when she smiled at Russell, he could see her teeth were long and fearsome. Drink this one slowly, while I tell you of the horrors that await you. She handed him the whiskey, but Russell hardly wanted it. I remember being barely able to process what had happened when suddenly he was gone. I panicked and staggered out of the bar in a haze of spirits. I heard Noel screeching behind me, but I didn't stop until the nightlife was all around me. There was an emptiness in my guts, and suddenly I felt the need to be as empty as that feeling. I retched and retched, the passers-by diverting around me, and when all that was left was dry and painful heaving, I began to stagger home. He had forgotten one very important part, you see. He forgot to tell me that my first time would be the worst. She drank half of her glass, a glass Russell hadn't seen her refill, and a quick gulp but seemed to be saving the other half for a special occasion. I staggered in, and there she was, waiting for me. My sister was a woman grown, sixteen and so mature, and when I came through the door, she ran to me to make sure I was okay. In that moment, I could smell her. Smell her fear and joy and slowly rotting meat. And when she wrapped me in her arms, I felt my mouth press against her shoulder. Where had I been? And why had I been gone so long? And she was so glad to see me. So glad I hadn't been picked up by some bad man. Her sobs of joy suddenly turned to sobs of pain, however. She screamed in terror when I bit her. My teeth becoming knives, and as I wolfed down her flesh, I could feel that spot inside me filling. She was filling me, and as she disappeared, I discovered my purpose. When the voices came to see what all the ruckus was about, I hadn't left a bone or shred of flesh to mark her as someone who had ever existed. She finished her own glass of whiskey and called for another. Her cheeks had become very red and when she looked at me, he could see her face had taken on a distinctly goatish cast. She looked only partially human, half-human, and more beastly all the time as the two of them talked. He heard the sound of hooves behind him, heavy a queen's steps on the marble floor, but he dare not look at what other horrors now surrounded him. So I left. I left and kept running until I found myself here again. I had no illusion that I would have 600 years, but I have seen much of the world in my century of life. I have seen much, and learned much, and eaten well on many occasions, but I have always lived with the knowledge that you would be waiting somewhere for me. Russell wanted to take a sip, and found his own glass empty too. When had he drunk it? He had been so entranced by her story, and now 
before his eyes. She had become more beast than woman. Her furry face was a mass of dark brown hair. And as he stared, she seemed to wobble like a mirage before his stunned eyes. He told me that you would be. That one day you would be waiting for me in a bar. And it would be my time to go. His time lasted nearly 900 years, but it seems my own has largely begun. Russell shook his head, trying to clear his head. But why? Why must it be this way? Brandy shrugged. You got me, kid. This is how it has always been. One Brandy Lou transfers his power to a vessel who can penetrate their glamour. But I was fooled by your glamour. You had to... Had to... You saw me in the first place, despite me not wanting to be seen. The rules are very clear in what must be done. Don't fret too much. I've lived a long life, eaten well when I had to, seen much of the world and can die with no regrets. In a way, I suppose it's a blessing. I do not envy you, but you must do. There is a war coming, Russell. The carefree days will soon pass on and then the cold will come again. The Brandy Lou will be summoned to her side and, once more, called to serve their queen. But as for me, she drank the whiskey off and saved only the smallest puddle in the bottom. My time has passed. Good luck, kid. Russell had so many questions, so many things he wanted to ask. But suddenly the hooves were behind him again, and this time he did turn to see their owners. Behind him stood a strange beast, the color of spring mud. Her legs were scrunched into wicked hooves, and her legs seemed to have too many angles to be comfortably walked on. She wore an apron, the garment looking odd as it hung over her torso, like a child's nightshirt, and it held a tray in one hand. Her eyes bore into him, and he was suddenly aware that this was Noel, a creature who had been alive a hundred years ago, and still served at this halfway house of oddities. She shook her head slowly, her green eyes full of summer fire, as she surveyed this new thing that had taken Russell's place. She did not seem to approve. The accords with Strange mean that I tolerate you, Brandy Lou, but they do not mean that I like it. You will find shelter here, but mark my words, these walls are neutral ground, and I will suffer no hunting here. Find your sport elsewhere, or be dust before your time. Russell gulped and shook his head. Noel, it's me. I'm Russell. You know me. Her gaze never faltered. Whatever you were is gone now. What you are will follow my rules or be damned for it. But she... She's the Brandy Lou. I I'm only... There is no one here but you, loathsome creature. I will suffer no tricks and tolerate no bloodshed. Be about your business and do not linger. And with that, she clopped off as Russell sat, gape mouth. He turned back to ask what Noel had meant, but found his companion to be nothing but a pile of clothes and a spilled puddle of whiskey. Whatever she had transferred, and that final drink had been given, and now, Russell knew, it was he who must go on. It was he who must carry on in her stead. It was he who must be the Brandy Lou.